Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Can I get a boomer? If you love Jesus, say I do. Man, I hope you are having a great semester so far. Amen. Hallelujah. I heard that midterms might be here, maybe close. Anybody? Anybody like a little worried about midterms? Let's be honest. Okay. Anybody like ever felt like just super confident? Like you're like one of those testers. Like you're like, you go in, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to dominate. Any dominators out there? All right. Like, okay, none of y'all. Awesome. So you're all like me, okay? Um, one person, all right. Uh, listen, um, when I went to college, I never was super prepared for any tests. A little bit of, um, uh, waited a little too long to study, all right? Like to hang out with my friends a little too much. Uh, but I can tell you this, within four years of college, I got this little piece of paper. I said diploma on it. And it didn't have my GPA, didn't have my ACTs, my SATs, my BMIs, nothing like that on it. Just said graduated. And guess what? No one's asked me my grade since. Amen, Holly. If I can do it, you can do it. Okay? All right? I set the bar really low for you. All right? Man, listen. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and pray. How's that sound? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for just another day that we can come and worship your name, and we can come into this beautiful place, and we can be able to uh, sing songs about you. We're able to open up your word. We're able able to read scripture. Uh, Lord, I ask you to be with us tonight, Uh, and, and as we learn just a little bit more about your word, let us be able to hear it. Let us be able to take it. Let us be able to apply it, and Lord, let us uh, love you even more. Lord, be with us tonight. For it's your name. Amen. Listen, last week we continued our First Peter series, and we talked about wives or girlfriends, right? And um, I had a lot of good feedback. I had a lot of good feedback on, on how maybe we got some direction on maybe um, how we are supposed to be ladies. And guys, you got a little direction on maybe who you need to look for in dating and therefore uh, possibly marrying someday. Um, anybody excited about husbands this week? Anyone? Okay. Um, awesome. Uh, I know that some boyfriends right now are probably a little squeamish. Uh, stomachs are turning a little bit, and you're just like, Russ, listen, just don't say, just don't say something. Like, don't say something that's going to make my girlfriend break up with me. All right? Please don't. My record is 12 in one night, okay? But please, please don't say anything, okay? Listen. Okay, I'm not here to call you out. I'm here to call you up, all right? Um, and listen, it's not my words that I say. It's just Jesus, okay? So blame him. Uh, but the better question is, what is the one thing that you don't want me to say? Maybe that's the one thing you need to be talking to your girlfriend about and getting right. Amen, hallelujah. All right, let's keep a holy up in here. Come on. Listen, there's a variety of ways of how to handle this scripture today. Uh, While it is a small text, um, it is a very powerful one. And it's not only to build up guys and build up a a husband, but it's also to keep us humble. It's to keep us 
holy. And so why do I feel like it's so vital that, that Peter uh, mentioned it in this text? And why do I feel like it's so important for us as 2022 college students? Why is it important for us to hear today? Simply because of this. I feel that from every nation to churches and even down to marriages, I believe that they can rise and they can fall in the leadership of men. And you show me a nation, you show me a church, you show me a marriage that is crumbling, and nine times out of ten, leadership of a man has been faulty. Now let me just kind of set the angle of what we are trying to have here and some perspective on what this text looks like tonight. Like, I just want to talk to you fellas for just a second. So ladies, you can listen, but this is directed towards guys. Like, I don't know about your generation. Um, I don't know if you've been given an example of what a godly biblical husband should look like. I don't know if your daddy was a great example. I don't know if your grandpa was a great example. But I do know this. As I asked the students last week, if divorce has... um, Uh, touched your life in some way, and 30% of you raised your hand. So I know that a big chunk of you, divorce has impacted your life. And I don't know if you've walked closely with with maybe a a youth group leader, maybe a pastor, maybe a lay leader, maybe just a godly guy that, that paved the way, that showed you what it looked like to be a godly husband or father figure in your life. I just don't know. But here's why this can be dangerous. Because I've seen so many of my friends, I have even seen some of my family members write on this one excuse. That because they were never shown how to be a good father or a good husband or a good Christian, that they are doing the best that they can with what they have seen before, students. And students, this is, this is what will happen, is that you will put this chair down and you'll sit down in it And you'll say, you know what, this is the best that I can be, and I can get comfortable in that, because it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that I'm going to limit how far I'm going to be in being a good father, or being a good husband, or being a good Christian on an excuse of, well, I'm doing the best that I can because I wasn't shown how to do this. I wasn't shown on how to be a great father, a great husband, or a great Christian, And you can list some valid excuses that way. And I can sound valid, right? I can even sound valid like some of you and say, well, well, my father wasn't a great Christian and my father wasn't a great husband and he didn't teach me how to love children because he didn't really love me. He wasn't a great example of how to love my wife because he was horrible to my mother. Now, don't get me wrong. It sounds right. It sounds like a valid excuse to put a level on your responsibility as a husband or as a Christian. And we set these excuses, and let me tell you that these excuses are deadly because excuses will always call you down while the Bible will always call you up. And while your daddy might have been less than, I'm going to tell you today that First Peter here, he's calling us to be more than just excuses Because the direction of who you are going to be in this life or in your job or in your church or in your marriage is going to be determined by who you are submitting to. 
Are we going to be a generation that submits to our excuses and we level who we are going to be? Or are we going to be a generation that submits to the Word of God and what He has for us and the direction that He has given us in this book? Now on the flip side, ladies, who are we going to submit to? Who are you going to uh, who are you going to love like? Who are you going to be like? And on, on the second question is, is, who are you going to choose to attach your life with? Are you going to settle for a man that settles for his excuses? Or are you going to settle for a man who's submitting to God's word? So as we kind of step into First Peter today, I believe that Peter is calling these men to uh, to rise up, and I believe that it will impact everybody in this baseball stadium, either someone who needs to be a man that God wants him to be, or someone that you are looking for to marry as a husband. So First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers might not be hindered. Now this is a big verse. It's showing husbands um, who don't want their prayers to be hindered, who don't want their prayers to be stopped or stalled. They have a responsibility as husbands. And when they are not doing what the Lord has commanded them to do, it is, it is deadly in their prayer life. Like this is huge for this day and age. Like this is huge because during this time, wives were considered more than, uh, were, were considered more like objects than someone who was respected and admired and, and loved and just obsessed with, right? Like, like to this, this day and age, it's supposed to like the wife was supposed to just submit and follow, submit and follow. And in this culture, they would marry them and they would literally do whatever the husband told them to do. They couldn't speak up. They couldn't speak into. They literally had to be totally submissive to the husband. And Peter's starting to rock the boat here. And Peter's like, listen, you need to live with your wives in an understanding way. I think that we can see from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3 that the only way a marriage can be lived in an understanding way is when there's a common understanding. Like both of you have to have this common understanding before he can live with you in an understanding ways. First and foremost, as I kind of dabbled with last week, a husband can only treat you in an understanding way if they understand what Jesus has done for them. Like, if he does not know Jesus, if he does not have this moral compass, always pointing to Jesus, always bringing him back to Jesus, always thinking about Jesus, he will always turn every focus towards himself, and he will become self-serving. Some of you want more out of your boyfriend right now. And it just never happens. You see his potential. You see who he could be. You love him. You like to give him snuggles, right? I don't know what it is. But you want the best for him. But he keeps on doing the same daggum thing with the same results. And it breaks you. And it's heartbreaking. 
And this is where it really hurts is when you start trying to bring Scripture into this relationship and he keeps on just saying, no, that's, that's your Jesus or that is your way, that is not my way. And you keep on trying to bring Scripture and he keeps on denying it. Listen, if he doesn't understand what Jesus has done for him, he will never be able to understand you. He won't be able to come to a, the table with reason and have this drawing near to God experience and, and, oh yeah, I need to get back on track. They will always be conflict where there isn't Jesus. But the second way, how will we, how well they understand Jesus is how well they will understand you. Listen, I thought about all the different angles of, of how we can look at this one bit of un, uh, uh, text here and how well he understands Jesus. Because I, I thought, man, you know what? I could just say, well, how well he understands Jesus and what Jesus has done for him on the cross, then he will submit his life to Jesus. And how well he submits his life to Jesus is how much he will be able to love and care for you. And I think that's great. I think that's important. But I just don't think that's all that can be said about this point. Because how do you determine that? Like, how do you level how well someone understands the saving work of Jesus? How well do you level someone realizing that they were once a sinner and now they have been saved and, and Jesus grabbed them from the depths of hell and saved them for all eternity? Like, how can you level that, especially as a college student? How can you tell if someone really gets what it looks like to be a Christian? And I, I, was, I was literally racked, like, racked my brain. I, I couldn't think. I was like, how can this, how can I make this more, uh, more real? How can I make them understand this, Jesus? And Jesus, just one night, he simply just gave this to me. How much do they enjoy Jesus? Like, you can tell if someone really gets Jesus by how much do they really enjoy Jesus. How much do they really enjoy their relationship with Jesus? How much importance does their relationship with Jesus matter to them? And here's why this hits so well, because a lot of us know Jesus, but I feel like so many few of us actually enjoy Jesus. Like, is your relationship a byproduct of what some prayer you said 10 years ago, and that's just something that was 10 years ago, but you still don't have the fire today? Or is your life right now, is the product of your relationship a daily relationship with Jesus that you are excited about? Like, ladies, how much joy in Jesus does this guy that is pursuing you right now have for Jesus? Do they get excited about him? Are they excited to worship him or are they ashamed to worship him? Are they wanting to talk about Jesus and what Jesus has been doing in their life or what they're excited for that, that maybe they're working towards something with Jesus? Are they wanting to connect with him on a daily basis or are they just flatliners? They sit there, they are flatliners with Jesus. Like when they talk about Jesus, it's flatline. When they worship Jesus, it's flatline. When, they, when, when living for Jesus, they're just flatline. Like their excitement for Jesus is not much excitement at all. It's probably as much excitement as I have for soccer. Anybody with me? Come on now. Right? Come on, I love you soccer players, I just can't handle soccer, all right? Whew. 
I'm going to catch some heat for that one. Awesome. But fellas, do we have joy because of Jesus or are we just coasting one day to the next? So ladies, what do you need to do? You need to judge their joy. Joy comes with a choice. Joy happens outwardly when you have conquered inwardly the joy that you need. You fight the things that you fight for the things that bring you joy and you fight away the things that take it away. Like, fellas, are we fighting for our joy? Like, seriously, be honest with yourself. Let's quit fooling ourselves. Let's get real tonight. Are you fighting to have joy in Jesus every single day? Like, like, how do you fight for your joy, let's just say, with your time with Jesus? Like, like how, do, how much are we fighting to maybe even just fit Jesus into maybe 30 minutes of our day? Like to be alone with him and let him be alone with you and you read his words and you let it just saturate your soul and you pray earnestly to connect between the Father and yourself and you want to uh, just lay everything down at his feet. Maybe you're crying with him, maybe you're worshiping, maybe you're worshiping, right? Like maybe you're laughing with him, maybe you're just having some struggles with him. Like you are making a time to be with Jesus. And the time for Jesus starts becoming a life source rather than a burden for you. See, you can't have the joy of Jesus if you never make time for Jesus to give you that joy. And here's why this is crucial for you guys and why this is crucial for you girls to evaluate their joy. Because if joy is a choice, you can evaluate what someone will allow in their life to either bring them joy in the Lord or what things in their life they're allowing to take away the joy from the Lord. Now, why is this important for two of you to have an understanding about Jesus? Why is this important for you to know that Jesus is Uh, who Jesus is, and for them to be joyful about their relationship with Jesus. Because only when their relationship with Jesus is top priority is the time that you can change this word that, that Peter is saying in understanding. You can change this word to any fruit of the Spirit. When it says that likewise husbands live with your wives in, in an understanding way. Maybe it can say live with your wives in a, in a loving way or in a joyful way or in a peaceful way or a patient way or a kind way or good way. Only with Jesus, only when they have Jesus will they be able to have this type of option. So why is Peter saying this? He says come to them with an understanding and show them honor because they are weaker vessels. Now I know some of you you're strong-willed in here, and you're like, oh, I ain't no weaker than no man. Amen, hallelujah. And I believe it, all right? I believe it. I know some of you are not any weaker than us, but let's see what the, the, the sentence after says. Since they are heirs with you in the grace of life. This is what this is saying in this context. Women were held at a different standard than men at this time. If women cheated on a man... The man could have the woman crucified and just move on. But if a man cheated on a woman, she couldn't say nothing or do nothing because she had no power. This is like real barbaric at this time and age. And Peter's saying, listen, your wives are going to be rewarded with their faith in the same way that you're going to be rewarded in your faith. And this will be, they will be standing in front of Jesus the same way that you are standing in front of Jesus 
Don't let their position as wife in this culture bring them down to you. Let them be an actual, well, you need to honor them. You need to lift them up. You need to let them help you, and you help them be the best followers of Christ that you can be. So you ask the question is, how does this apply to where we're at, Brent? Like, our generation isn't necessarily in a position with women rights as it was back then. Women have a voice now. They, they can divorce you now. They can vote against you now. They can have positions of power. How can we apply this text to our dating life or single life now? And God just kept on bringing me back to this word of show honor to this woman. Webster's Dictionary says, honor is to regard with high respect. A husband is to honor, to hold with high respect his wife. Why? Because she is just as valuable as he is in the eyes of Christ. So what does that mean for college young men? It means that you are to honor, to hold with high respect your sister in Christ, who is just as valuable as you in the eyes of Christ. So now how do I apply all this text? How do I contextualize it to what is going on in our day and age? I'm going to point out three things that I think we can evaluate. I'm going to talk about talking, I'm going to talk about touching, and I'm going to talk about treating. Girls, you need to evaluate how this guy is talking to you. Seriously, does he talk in a way that shows he wants to know you and known how your brain works. Now listen, I've been working for 10 years on the, trying to figure out how my wife's brain works, okay? And every time that I think I'm just about to get it, like she throws me a curveball. She's got to keep me on my, on my toes, right? But one of the things that my wife severely uh, fell in love with me when we first started dating was just the fact that she knew that I wanted to know literally everything about her. Like I was literally asking her every question. We'd have the, the light, late night phone calls. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, but one of the first times that we really got to hang out, and I wouldn't call this a date, but I guess you could, uh, is I took her to Walmart because I'm super um, non-cliche. All right. And maybe I was super broke as well. Uh, but I took her to the furniture state, the furniture aisle. And yes, we sat on a couch that was still in like the, uh, the shelving. And we sat there for two to three hours just talking. We talked about everything under the sun. I asked her every question. Like I wanted to know everything about her possible. And like I was intrigued with her answers and hungry to figure out who she was. But I was also really trying to seek like, are we compatible? Like, ladies, let me tell you, like, keep an eye out for a guy is, and, and ask yourself this question, is this guy more interested in, get, in getting to know me, or is he more interested in me getting to know him? Some guys are really good at talking about themselves, but they're not really good at caring about what, what you are thinking or how you think. And here's why this is dangerous, because if they don't want to know your opinions and your feelings now, they won't want to know your op opinions and feelings later. Now, side note here, like this is just a Brent Russellism here. Why don't you evaluate how much he talks about Jesus? Why don't you evaluate your boyfriend right now? 
Why don't you evaluate how much does this guy actually talk about Jesus? Because if this dude is sold out, if this dude is walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, making sure that he's spending his at least 30 minutes a day, like if he's doing all this, surely he would be talking about Jesus as well. Amen? Now girls, evaluate something else. Let's get a little personal here. How does he touch you? Like, I don't think I need to go into great detail about what limits we as Christians should have on physical uh, boundaries or not. But what I can say is, do you want a guy that can honor you enough to put physical boundaries around your relationship? Or do you want a guy that keeps on uh, pushing physical boundaries every single day, day after day, until you will finally fall? Do you want a guy who goes above and beyond to show you value? Maybe it's being honest with you. Nothing I love more than when guys are actually honest with girls and say, hey, listen, after 11 o'clock, this guy gets a brain, and then this guy gets a brain, and then this brain shuts off, right? And like, I have to be honest with you. After 11 o'clock, I just mean you can't be in the same room together, all right? Like, that's just, the, they, these, these creatures get minds of their own, and like, I just don't trust them with you. Like, after 11 o'clock, hey, I'm going to give you a kiss goodbye, and I'm going to go hang out with the boys, all right? Like, like, they're just real, they're just honest, or they're like, hey, listen, uh, after we, uh, we said goodbye the other day, and in my civic, like we made out just a little too hard, all right? Like we just made out a little too hard, and I don't know about you, but I was feeling it, all right? And I wanted to go farther. And uh, listen, kissing has been a slippery slope, and like I just don't, I want you to know that I love you and I respect you and I honor you, and I just don't want anything to happen again. So, like, we just don't need to be playing ton- like tunsil hockey in like in the car, all right? Like, huh, right? I, I mean, hmm. I don't even know how to go beyond that. But some people say, well, that's just a prude thing to talk about. That's just a prude thing to say. But you know what God thinks? God says, man, that's holy. God says, man, that is righteous. That is, that is someone that you need to be. That's someone that you need to rise up to be like. Lastly, I want to say is how does he treat you? It's just simply this. Like, how does he treat you when you're alone? How does he treat you when things are hard? How does he treat you when he is mad? How does he treat you when he's having a hard day? How does he treat you when you are in conflict? How does he treat you when things are going great? Because the way that he treats you exposes the way that he honors you. And this is why I am always say don't ever marry someone until you've seen every side of them. Don't ever marry some of, someone until you've seen all, at least all four seasons, okay guys? But also don't marry them until you've seen them angry, alright? You don't ever marry somebody until, until you see they're crazy, amen, alright? You fought, you, you, maybe push them one time and just see how crazy they get. Okay, that's okay with me, all right? Because you want to see how well they actually handle themselves, but also how they treat you. Find someone who can treat you with honor in every emotion and every way. And again, they will treat you right now, which exposes that they will treat you right when you're married. How do I end this text? How do I end this sermon? Like, like, how do I end this? Literally, was it one sentence? I guess the same way that Peter did. 
He said, treat your wife in this way. Treat your wife in an understanding way. Honor your wife because she's a fellow heir of grace. So she's going to be getting the same amount of grace, the same amount of salvation. She will be handled under the same loving father as you. But if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Guys, I know you are evaluating everything in your life right now. You're evaluating your past. Some of y'all are still trying to break away from high school and become a, become a man now. Some of y'all are evaluating your future. What am I going to do? Where am I going to be? Who am I going to be married to? Maybe some jobs. Maybe you're evaluating, evaluating some of your insecurities. How many of you are evaluating your prayer life? Because to Peter, it was a given to these men that he was reaching out to. It was almost just even like a little bit of a warning. Kind of like when I threatened my kids, like, if you do this, all right, I'm going to take your shows away. They love Paw Patrol, all right? But I know that if I threaten to take away their Paw Patrol, it's going to make them wise up, right? My question to leave you with. Are you living in such a way that you would even notice if your prayers weren't even going to be answered? I mean, here's, here, here's the threat here. If you live in such a way, in this way, your prayers are going to be hindered. Does that even shake us to our core? Does that even make us feel a certain way? Guys, if this is you, it's time to change your life. It's time to change uh, how you think. It's time for you to fight for your joy in the Lord every single day. And I know that many of you are feeling like, man, I just feel stagnant in my faith and I want to grow in my faith. Listen, we need to come together and be able to, to find that. Maybe it's time for you to, to, uh, to stop fighting against things and start fighting four things that matter most. Maybe some of us in here for the first time, we're realizing something, that some of our prayers aren't being answered because God has already told you in order for our relationship to grow, there's this one thing in your life that you need to get rid of. There's this one thing in your life that I've already said, hey, listen, this is a problem. And you keep on trying to bypass it to connect to Jesus. And you keep on trying to grow your faith. But there's this one pillar. It could be a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a sin. It could be your past. I don't know what this one thing is, but you keep on trying to have this godly relationship, a growing relationship. You keep on trying to feel that connectivity. The deep of your soul is trying to connect with Jesus, but this one thing keeps on getting in the way. And maybe tonight, for the first time, you realize, you know what, I need to lay it down. Like, I need to get rid of it. It's time for me to own it. Because listen, if you're able to go and fight for my freedom, which you are right now, I consider you adults. It is time for y'all to consider yourself adults. You're not having your parents' faith anymore. It is your faith right now. Maybe tonight God's saying, hey, let's own it. Come lay it down at your feet. Come to the prayer team that's going to be down here up front or up on top and just be able to say, you know what? I want to give you this and I want to be able to pray to this tonight and pray it away from my life and move on. Maybe tonight you can 
Give it all to Jesus. And I, I, you know, I think that you can take the steps to do so. Ladies, find you a man that's going to live with you in an understanding way, that's going to show you honor, no matter what circumstance is going on, that can look at you and say, you know what, we do have different roles, but I see you as an equal, and I know that you're just as important in my life as I am to your life. Guys, listen, be the men that we have to be in this life.